Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.13 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 25th of March, 2022, and this is episode 563 of Bitcoin. And I didn't come to you yesterday because I had some things to do. Sorry about that. You know, life life does happen. Life, life actually does happen. But I'm back today. It is Friday, and we've got a... We've got a raft of news to go through. But before we get to it, I remind you that if you want to support the show, it's... Podcasting 2.0. God knows it's the way to go. Holy shit, did I just do that all in a row? Oh man, I just can't stop. Ah, somebody stop me. This is the way that you can listen to the show with a podcasting app that has a lightning wallet attached to it, right? And it's embedded so you don't have to do anything special. Load that lightning wallet up and while you're listening to me, you can be streaming me sats at one two, three, five, ten sats per minute if you want. You can do a hundred sats per minute. It doesn't matter. You can boost me. You there's most of them have a little boost button and you can set that for a hundred or a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand Satoshis. And if you hear something you like, you hit that button. And I guarantee you as time goes on in podcasting 2.0, more and more apps will be able to let me know where it is that you liked the show. And I can say, oh, oh, more of that. More of the, this guy likes that stuff. So I'll put in more of that. It's, we're all still in the experimental phase here, guys. So, you know, just as these apps roll out, more and more features will start leveraging the Lightning Network more and more. <clears throat> and since all those transactions have time stamping, guess what? We'll be able to really, really zero in on what the audience actually wants and what they don't want. And which brings me actually, I might as well go ahead and talk about this. Now I had an idea of negative Satoshi where an app, a podcasting 2.0 enabled app, not only allowed you to send me Satoshis when you like stuff, but like an anti-boost button. Now the, yes, it is what you're being, it's thinking. You can take Satoshis away from me when I say something that you don't like. However, that one would be definitely, you know, I would be gatekeeping how much that would be. Like I would probably allow like a negative one Satoshi subtraction from, uh, from my podcasting account <clears throat> for something that you didn't want so that it would literally, I mean, you'd have to, uh, you know, you have to like just continuously tap, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you button instead of the boost button, and, you know, for, for it to really be a troll. Somehow or another, there's a way to control this. But that feedback, I think, is just as essential. I, I really do. I think being able to tap a button that says, I hate you, 
and I know exactly where it is in the podcast that you tap that button, that lets me go back and say, well, what the hell did I say? And then I can find out that, oh, I was talking about pronouns <laughs> and I will never talk about pronouns again. I will never talk about Leah Thomas again because somebody like, you know, hit me for like five Satoshi withdrawal. I, I, I honestly think that this is not a bad idea if and only if it could somehow or another not be so trolled that somebody could just completely, you know, empty out my, you know, my lightning wallet for my podcast. Now that said, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can always use the legacy financial system and uh, Patreon because I do have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast. Uh, I've got them set as low as $1 a month just for, you know, supporting the show because God knows everybody needs support, including me. Now, with all that said, let's talk about oil. Oil. Exxon, <clears throat> an oil company, a big one, is mining Bitcoin with excess gas as per a report. Nomsios brings us the news from BitcoinMagazine.com. Largest U.S. oil producer ExxonMobil is considering, right, considering expanding its North Dakota Bitcoin mining pilot program to further reduce the volume of natural gas it routinely burns off or flares into the atmosphere, according to Bloomberg. <clears throat> People familiar with the matter told the news outlet that the oil giant has an agreement with Crusoe Energy Systems to redirect gas that would otherwise be wasted from an oil well pad to mobile Bitcoin mines. The report said the pilot project launched in January 2021 in North Dakota's Bakken and expanded in July. Now it consumes up to 18 million cubic feet of gas per month that Exxon couldn't otherwise monetize. Let me say that shit again. 18 million cubic feet of gas per month. Honestly, guys, that is quite a bit of natural gas. Exxon is now considering similar pilot projects in Alaska, the Kua Ibo terminal in Nigeria, Argentina's Vaca Muerta shale field, Guyana and Germany, one of the people told Bloomberg, quote, we continuously evaluate emerging technologies aimed at reducing flaring volumes across our operations. Spokeswoman Sarah Norden told Bloomberg she declined to comment on rumors and speculations regarding the pilot project, end quote. Bitcoin mining enables oil producers to sell gas they accidentally find while drilling for oil, not only bringing more profits to those companies, but also contributing to the environment as such energy sources commonly wasted due to a lack of nearby uh, pipelines and regular infrastructure. Denver-based Crusoe helps those companies capture otherwise wasted surplus gas from their energy production, convert it to electricity and use it to power data centers and Bitcoin mining operations. The firm estimates that Bitcoin mining allows carbon dioxide equivalent emissions to be reduced by over 60% compared to routine flaring. President of environmental shareholder activist group As You So, Daniel Fuerier, told Bloomberg that these pilots are a positive step for Exxon to find a use for its excess gas. Quote, it's creating a use for what would otherwise be wasted, she said. Oil and gas giant ConocoPhillips last month spun up similar operations also in back in North Dakota to sell excess natural gas to a Bitcoin mining farm operated by a third party. 
Bakken houses one of the largest deposits of oil and natural gas in the United States, a phenomenon that has led to the Bakken oil, <laughs> oil boom that made the state of North Dakota the second leading oil producer state in the country behind only Texas, according to the Earth Resources Observation and Science Center. All right, so that's the end of the article. Now, <clears throat> when I first heard this news yesterday, I thought it was a rehash of old news that I brought to you last month, and it turns out what I brought to you last month was indeed the news about the ConocoPhillips deal. Now we've got Exxon coming into the thing. It's, at this point, it's a snowball and there's nothing anybody can do about it. The energy producers of the world hold a lot more power over governments than you might think and more than we might want, but right now it's working in, it's working in the favor of Bitcoin. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So that said, it's going to be, it becomes now increasingly, actually not increasingly, it becomes exponentially more difficult for some idiot in Washington, D.C. to say we're going to make Bitcoin illegal because the next phone call they receive after making some stupid, dumbass, wise, cracking comment like that is going to be from the CEOs of ConocoPhillips, ExxonMobil, and a whole host of other energy producers without which war cannot occur. And God knows Washington, D.C. loves to commit acts of war. So I'm just saying it has now become exponentially more difficult for legislation against Bitcoin to occur, not only in this country, but in Nigeria, in Guyana, in all the rest of those countries that Exxon mentioned in this particular report, right? So buckle up because now Israel is starting to talk Bitcoin. Top Israeli bank to accept BTC and shitcoin one trading through Paxos collaboration. Arnold Karimi, Karimi has it for Cointelegraph. Lumi Bank one of the largest lenders in Israel reportedly started to accept Bitcoin and Shitcoin One trading. I'm not going to say the name of Shitcoin One today. I just don't feel like it. It's just, I'm sick of it. According to a Thursday report by Reuters, Pepper Invest, Lumi's digital platform, partnered with blockchain infrastructure provider Paxos to launch crypto trading. Pepper Invest clients can now buy and sell and hold cryptocurrencies using the new service. The move will only support BTC and Shitcoin One before adding support for other crypto assets. In addition, the minimum transaction value for cryptocurrencies was set at around $15.50, otherwise known as 50 shekels. <laughs> shekels. I love that name. There is currently no start date announced and the new move is pending regulatory approval. The report highlighted that, quote, Pepper will collect tax according to the guidelines of the Israeli tax authority so that customers will not need to manage tax complexities. Oh, well, thank you for, for, thank you for automating the theft. That, that's great. That's great. Banks in many countries were previously hesitant to accept BTC and other cryptocurrencies, but that situation has changed as demand from corporations and individual customers have increased. Regulators have also shifted their attention away from outright bans and towards the development of a regulatory framework. Lumi Bank had previously prohibited crypto exchange bits of, or yeah, bits of gold's account, citing regulatory concerns. However, 
A Supreme Court ruling back then, as reported by Cointelegraph, declared that Lumibank cannot block the crypto exchange's account. Cointelegraph reached out to Paxos for more information and the story will be updated with a response. The development is significant as it represents a paradigm shift in the global financial sector attitude towards digital assets. DBS of Singapore is already supplying crypto trading services to businesses and will extend these offerings to retail clients by the end of the year. Furthermore, KB Bank in South Korea is readying to provide crypto investment solutions to individual clients, and several other institutions are considering similar possibilities. So Paxos is leading, is, is helping the guys out in uh, Israel. That's kind of a big deal because Paxos, as far as I know, is um, Ray Youssef's outfit down in Nigeria. So you've got a link between Nigeria, an African country, and Israel. That's going to be a really strong tie for Israel to have because everybody and their dog is going to be fighting if they aren't already fighting over the African continent because of rare earth minerals and other valuable items that are there. All right, so it's going to be... Better. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are not excited about Israel, but it's going to be better than China. I guarantee you that. Maybe. I don't know. Israel's getting weird. They've been they've been weird since this entire pandemic started. So I, I they they've taken steps that I would have never thought that Israel would have ever taken. Moving on to Peru again, South America. If you don't know by now, I don't give one rat's ass about the West and the first world countries' adoption of Bitcoin. It is Central America, South America, Africa, Baltics, Balkans, East Europe, and the rest. Not China, not Russia, not Australia, not New Zealand, not America, not Canada, not the European Union, none of that shit. That doesn't matter. There's, we are so embroiled in the fiat first world system right now that we can't see straight. We are literally hammered drunk, bombed out of our tree on easy money. It's all the rest of the world that are actually going to make the moves that determine the fate of Bitcoin. And it's starting in Peru. So Namcios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. <clears throat> what started as a simple one-time $3,000 effort to buy shoes and socks for Peruvian children facing high mortality rates grew quickly into a full-scale effort focused on enabling financial empowerment through Bitcoin. After a visit to Bitcoin Beach, the nonprofit initiative that strives to bring financial inclusion to the coastal city of El Zante in El Salvador through Bitcoin circular economies, Rich Swisher, co-founder and president of a nonprofit global empowerment group Motive, M-O-T-I-V, saw the many opportunities that a sovereign and decentralized monetary network had to empower those who had been left out of the traditional banking system. Now, through a series of programs ranging from medical care to entrepreneurship classes, Motive is leveraging Bitcoin to bring inclusion and hope to disadvantaged communities through 15 hubs in Peru. Quote, there is an outstanding alignment between Bitcoin and humanitarianism, a Swisher told Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, <clears throat> being able to have unobstructed access to a financial system that is not sizable and not able, or sorry, not sizable, my ass, not seizable and not able to be shut off by changing governments is key for people to build hope. 
End quote. Swisher planted the seeds for Motive's operations in Peru after he and Vali Popescu, Motive co-founder and director of field operations, discovered that many children in a village were dying because they didn't have shoes, such a simple ornament that many of us take for granted. Swisher explained that this typical Peruvian village is down at the bottom of a very steep valley with mountains all around it. There's a water source, usually a stream or a river flowing through, and people live in huddled up areas and farms of the hillside where they often grow maize and grass to feed guinea pigs, which is their main source of meat. Now, that's interesting. Quote, they have to go out and fetch water and it's really cold, Swisher told Bitcoin Magazine, adding that with the feet freezing and thawing and freezing and thawing, children who don't end up dying develop circulation issues and other medical problems. Moreover, Swisher explained that the lack of footwear also prevents children from walking to classes as going to school can involve a 10-mile commute every single day. The duo then ran some calculations and saw that with $3,000, they would be able to give each pair there a pair of hiking boots, seven pairs of socks, and two visits a year to a foot medical specialist. After the initial commitment, they began researching ways to increase their presence in the region and further develop the programs, which were by then starting to help more people. However, it wasn't until Motive found Bitcoin through Alex Federock, the nonprofit's director of corporate communications, that it would start a new chapter. The peer-to-peer currency quickly began enabling new use cases, but a visit to Bitcoin Beach would take things one step further. Quote, I went down to El Salvador, spent a week with initiative founder Mike Peterson, and that's really where I got a lot of my ideas. I needed to go down there and see what he had going on, Swisher said. As Swisher returned from El Salvador, he began implementing initiatives to create community hubs and develop circular Bitcoin economies where people leverage BTC for day-to-day transactions rather than simply buying and holding for long-term price appreciation, opposing the status quo in developed economies. Quote, we don't want them to just be hodlers, Switcher said. We want this economy to spin off and they need to use the money that they make. While some billionaires are quick to dismiss Bitcoin, people in disadvantaged communities around the world, often left out of the banking system, have much to praise in a decentralized monetary system that empowers them to pursue their goals and conduct local trade irrespective of the conditions seen at the community or county or sorry, country levels. Motive seeks to nourish that reality by educating, equipping, and empowering oppressed communities in Peru with Bitcoin, a monetary technology that now underpins most of Motive's developments and products. Projects. But to get there, the group had to bypass a hard mental barrier that most people in those communities had built for self-preservation as they were often scammed when attempting to conduct trade. In a small village in the Andes, the longest continental mountain range in the world that spans seven different countries along the western edge of South America, a cohort of women saw in Bitcoin a way to bypass societal norms. Quote, to keep up with all they have to do while doing all of the work to maintain a subsistence lifestyle has meant that cultural artistry, traditions, and even things like education have had to go by the wayside due to lack of time, money, energy, etc., Swisher said. They're just really trying hard to survive. Motive's program manager based at that organization's hub in Cusco, what, Cusco 
approach them with the idea to revive their ancestral art and help them earn money, often Bitcoin, from it. Along with the excitement, however, the idea was met with skepticism. Quote, yeah, we would very much like that, they said, as recounted by Swisher. But if this is a trick, if you are scamming us, we will kill you. End quote. Used to be scam- used to be being scammed and robbed, these women have grown skeptical of offering similar to what Motive was putting forth. And as Swisher said, they were deadly serious about the threat. But after a period learning about the craft and understanding that Motive wasn't trying to scam them with this weird digital currency, those women began selling their crafts in Cusco through the help of Motive. A while later, they even began spearheading similar efforts in nearby villages, bringing knowledge about the craft and about Bitcoin to power new grassroots developments. Quote, we educated them in their ancestral crafts. Then we equipped and empowered them largely through networking them into Cusco and helping them with some transportation, Swisher said. With the success that they had in Cusco, lots of shops and tourism to sell to and through, they took the initiative to stand up some pop-up markets to sell wherever they see an opportunity. Quote, they're excited by getting some of their culture back and actually being able to participate in an economy, Swisher said. So they are going to other villages, spitting out the same sort of things to other people and showing them how to do it, end quote. Further quote, the major effect for them is on their lives, the lives of their families and the economy of their village, Swisher said. Previously, the main thing they were isolated from was the broader economy. Now they can build a business and not be hindered by the banking system's exclusion of their entire class of people, end quote. These women have been able to place their artisan products in shops in Cusco and even in Lima, the country's capital, while purchases in the more developed centers are still primarily done with fiat currency, Swisher said the team is focused on establishing a circular Bitcoin economy in Cusco, which is already growing, by encouraging people to earn Bitcoin and enabling them to use BTC to purchase necessities they need on a daily basis. Quote, Cusco is the hub for countless small rural and remote villages. We are working on building out this circular economy as one large piece where the hub of Cusco serves all of the remote villages needs while also transforming Cusco into a Bitcoin economy as the major tourist destination that it is, Swisher said. Quote, so many people are disempowered and marginalized that many are just like, whatever, I got no hope for the future. That's what Bitcoin is changing here, Swisher told Bitcoin Magazine. He explained that in the villages and municipalities that Motive works in, the issue is systemic, as the lower classes are kept at the bottom and don't believe that there is a way to overcome that. A lack of hope for the future plagues these communities, which are left behind by a financial system that does not cater to them or to their needs. Quote, educate is our first word in our ethos, Swisher said. We equip them with the tools to use Bitcoin and the knowledge of what Bitcoin is and then empower them. And that's the hardest part, letting them know that they can it is a tough time to reverse in an individual's mind. End quote. Motive's hubs in these communities facilitate the birth of micro-businesses as people begin to see their neighbors bypass that initial mental blockade and achieve some financial freedom by enrolling in a class and later independently selling a product for Bitcoin. Quote, when you give people an opportunity to believe in the hope of a better future and you back it up with a tool and a system and the know-how to actually implement that in their own life, you see what happened to those women in the Andes, 
Swisher said, adding that the organization has already helped tens of thousands of people through its programs. By fixing the money, <clears throat> Motive is enabling otherwise powerless people in Peru find something that they're good at, giving them the ability to train until they're able to produce goods and services and earn Bitcoin, which they can then use to buy a pair of shoes for their children's freezing feet. Okay, <clears throat> now here's my only question about all of this. You're talking about an ancestral people in their ancestral lands. And my question becomes, I'm, I'm not sure about how necessary shoes are to an ancestral people. I'm, I know, I know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass. I get it, I get it. It's just that, you know, for the longest time, in you know america the native americans before europeans came over a lot of them didn't wear shoes the whole thing about moccasins maybe but honestly especially in the plains indians eh, not not really wearing shoes and it gets cold here now they do migrate so i guess the difference is is that up in the andes if you're staying in one place then you've got it you've got harsh winters but again my question becomes at least being able to make shoes seems to be seems to me to be a situation that you never would have figured you you never would have forgot how to do that i'm not poo-pooing this i think this is great honestly it's just i'm not sure about the shoes i i'm i'm, I'm thinking about other things like how important it is just to be you know have your own economy being able to trade you know being able to do stuff you know that's that's the most important part of the, all this and also Peru. I mean, you're talking about a very long country that is like, I mean, honestly, it's almost all of South America's West Coast. You know how rich the Pacific Ocean is with, with sea life and, and the economy that that can build? You see what happened with California. It wasn't just gold. I mean, the Pacific Ocean offers economic opportunities that are huge. And you've got here, you've got Chile that has most of South America's Western coast. Let that sink in. As they're going to move to a Bitcoin standard in these little remote villages, and they basically have power over that much shoreline. Oh my God. That Peru is probably going to explode faster than almost any of the other countries if they keep on this track. Now, President Bukele, he's not happy about this whole FUD of Binance. And I, I talked to you about this, uh, what, on Wednesday. Uh, Tom Mitch Mitchell Hill has it for Cointelegraph. President Bukele hits out at Bitcoin bond FUD as CZ jets into El Salvador. El Salvador's President Nayib Bukele took to Twitter on Wednesday evening, hitting out at a Reuters report claiming that Binance CEO Shengpeng Zhao was flying in to save El Salvador's Bitcoin bond. Quote, please don't spread Reuters FUD, Bukele tweeted to his 3.6 million followers, rebuking the claim that CZ was flying in to assist after the $1 billion bond offering originally scheduled for mid-March was postponed until September. He was responding to a tweet that is uh, that was on the subject by Bitcoin Magazine, which has now deleted the post. Bukele stated that the delay in the Volcano bond offering was primarily due to legislative delays in Congress 
that his meeting with CZ had nothing to do with the bond offering and that the pair intends to discuss other issues. Paolo Aduino, chief technology officer at Bitfinex, the company underwriting the bond, came to Bekele's aid stating that the delays were largely due to laws concerning the bond issuance that still needed to be passed by Congress. Samson Moe, former chief strategy officer of Blockstream, also joined in tweeting that nothing has changed. Earlier in the week, El Salvador's finance minister said that the $1 billion bond originally scheduled for mid-March would be delayed until September. Three hours after hitting out at Reuters reporting, Bukele was back on Twitter complaining about the United States government responding to a proposed bill that seeks to minimize American exposure to El Salvador's financial system. Do you want to hear more about that? Gee, golly, I sure do. And I have it right here from Decrypt's Matt DeSalvo. Bukele slams U.S. bill that targets potential risks of El Salvador's Bitcoin law. El Salvador President Bukele lashed out at U.S. lawmakers today, angered by the Senate's decision to move ahead with the bill to examine the potential risks of the Central American country's Bitcoin law. The proposed bill, the Accountability for Cryptocurrency in El Salvador, or the ACES Act, passed committee yesterday, meaning it will now move on to the next step in the Senate and the Senate will have to vote on it. Senators last month introduced the bill. It asked the State Department to produce a report on El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption and develop a plan to mitigate its potential to weaken U.S. sanctions policy, empowering malign actors like China and organized criminal organizations. I was not aware that the United States had sanctions on El Salvador. Do we? I don't think we do. So what gives? What gives here? This is, is a bullshit bill, and Bukele has every fucking right to be pissed off. After the bill passes committee or passed committee on Wednesday, Bukele said on Twitter that, quote, the U.S. government does not stand for freedom, and that is a proven fact. He added that we will stand for freedom and call Bitcoin a fuck you money. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that the United States government would be afraid of what we are doing here, he added in a separate tweet. President Bukele is known for his outbursts on social media and rarely speaks to the press, instead preferring to communicate through cinematic Instagram videos and emoji-laden tweets. The Bitcoin law was proposed by Bukele last year, and lots of big businesses like Starbucks and McDonald's in the small country allowed citizens to pay with cryptocurrency, but smaller businesses don't. El Salvador's government gave its citizens 30 bucks worth of Bitcoin, and Bitcoin ATMs are all over the camp capital of San Salvador. The Bitcoin community seemed to love the idea of the government allowing its citizens to freely spend crypto, but the World Bank, the IMF, and JP Morgan didn't. The IMF in January even begged, well, they say asked, but basically they begged El Salvador to scrap the new law altogether. <clears throat> Senator Jim Reich said in an announcement on Wednesday, quote, as El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, it's important we understand and mitigate potential risks to the United States financial system. Man, I had no idea that Jim Reich was such a spineless pussy. Honestly, wow. But if it's any consolation to El Salvador, the bill still has a very long way to go before it's passed. And even if it is signed into law, it's not yet clear if it would tame President Bukele's Bitcoin ambitions. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised and off. Actually, I'm offended that the United States government is spending money on 
worrying about what other people do in countries as small as a population of 6 million like El Salvador. Are you freaking kidding me? You got the, I, the president of the United States that fucking potato head Biden stood up and said that he sanctioned the United States. He did. He actually did. He said, well, food shortages are coming, so let's talk about it. The, the, the sanctions that we placed on Russia are going to affect a lot of other countries, and it's going to affect the United States. Excellent work. You just sanctioned your own country, and you admitted it on television. I mean, my God, at least, at least we can say that about Mr. Potato Head. He admitted that, that this is going to suck. You know, another, you know, any other president that was more wily than that wouldn't have even said it. But here you, here you go. And, and, and Jim's worried about what's going on in El Salvador. Really? He should automatically be removed from office for dereliction of duty. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids cooling off a little bit. West Texas Intermediate down 1.75% to 110 bucks a barrel. Brent North Sea likewise down 1.77% to 116 and 92 cents. Natural gas is, however, up 2.67% to uh, five bucks and 54 cents. And gasoline down half point to $3.37. Gold and all the other shiny metal rocks are all down. Gold by almost a point to $1,945. Silver is down 1.3. Platinum is down 1.4. Copper down a half. Palladium down 1.1. Agricultural futures are mostly to the upside. The biggest winner today is going to be cotton up two points and then sugar up a point and a half and then wheat up 0.81%. The only things that are taking it on the chin are rough rice and cocoa, but I mean, we're talking like negligible, negligible declines. Uh, Dow up 0.25%, S&P future, or S&P is up 0.13% at this time. NASDAQ down 0.18, S&P mini down 0.06. Real money is at $44,820. Apparently we got an overnight bump. I guess the news of Exxon spread to China, who knows. 285,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. That's 12,000 transactions on average every hour with 980,000 BTC being sent in that period. That's 40,852 BTC every hour on the hour on average with an average transaction value of 3.44 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.014 BTC or about $613. Block times are low, nine minutes and 48 seconds taking 0.08 BTC in fees on a per block basis and 12.5 BTC overall in the last 24 hours in fees. With a 0.23% drop in hash rate, we are just a hair under 200 exahashes per second. Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator got a bump because some idiot decided to list it on an exchange. 13.6 United States pennies. And if you have any, I would sell it all for Bitcoin right now. 7,773 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear with an $853.3 billion market capitalization of Bitcoin. That's 6.66%. That's right. You heard it. It's the number of the beast. 6.66% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may peel off one of your Bitcoin and purchase 23.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks. 
There are 18,993,242.18 BTC in circulation and 3,554 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at just under $160 million, running over 20,233 nodes, sporting 84,966 payment channels and 75.2% of all of it is running over the Tor Network and its associated 11,666 nodes. Man, two numbers of the beast. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Will Tether migrate to the Bitcoin blockchain with advances in the Lightning Network? Is the question being asked by, who is it? Who is it? There's no author. Oh, no. Oh, God. This is Marty Ben. Oh, I got suckered into reading a Ben. Marty, you son of a bitch. Might as well do it. Let's go ahead. This is from Marty's Bent. Uh, above is a video demonstration of the first ever Tether transaction over the Lightning Network executed by Corey Phillips from Synonym. For those of you who are unaware, Tether is a United States dollar stablecoin that lives outside of the incumbent financial system and has moved over cryptocurrency networks. Tether is centralized as it is controlled by a company that keeps a reserve of USD and other assets, including Bitcoin, that are reported to back each Tether one-to-one -one with the USD equivalent. The United States government has been coming after Tether for years as they have successfully operated outside the traditional system while serving users around the world. All of this is to say that I would not recommend holding Tether unless it's absolutely necessary to make a transaction. Well, with that being said, there's no doubt that there is significant demand for Tether globally as individuals seek to avoid the short-term price volatility of Bitcoin. Many people in emerging economies don't have the luxury of sitting back and stomaching the roller coaster price movements in Bitcoin and opt to store some of their holdings in stablecoins so that they can hold without worry of not being able to purchase what they want when they go to spend. Many Bitcoiners don't like this, but it's a fact that should be acknowledged. What's interesting about Synonym's implementation of Tether on Lightning is that it leverages the OmniLayer protocol, which is where Tether originally launched. As on-chain fees increased in the years after Tether launched on OmniLayer, Tether usage migrated to other chains to take advantage of their relatively low fees and has since been playing a game of hot potato, hopping from one chain to the next. Is Synonym's implementation of Tether on Lightning something that will push Tether usage back to the Bitcoin stack as the Lightning Network currently provides sufficiently low fees on top of the most secure ledger in the world? Well, we'll we shall see. In your Uncle Marty's opinion, it would be cool to see Tether or general stablecoin usage migrate back to Bitcoin, even if he does believe that the USD is failing miserably and that stablecoins serve as nothing more than a transitional mechanism that provides a bit of volatility cover as we move from a fiat standard to a Bitcoin standard. At the very least, Synonym's efforts are pushing the boundaries of the design landscape on Lightning, which is very cool to see. As we said yesterday in regards to BIP47 being implemented in the Bitcoin dev kit, it'll be interesting to see how the use of OpReturn, which OmniLayer leverages, will create natural scalability ceilings that make this use case, a temporary blip in the life of Bitcoin. 
Synonym, by the way, oh, that's the end of the bit. Uh, synonym, by the way, is Mark, uh, God, Carvalho, John Carvalho. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you Mark there, John. John Carvalho's outfit. Synonym, by the way, is spelt uh, S-Y-N-O-N-Y-M. S-Y-N-O-N-Y-M. I highly recommend that you go check out that project. Uh, John's been in the game for a very long time. Uh, very well respected, very knowledgeable about what's been going on in the Bitcoin ecosystem uh, since before I got in, definitely. Uh, he was one of the first OGs that that I found out about. And he was <clears throat> famously the one that pissed off Roger Ver so much by calling it Bitcoin Cash or uh, Bcash uh, that he got Roger Ver to literally dump out of a, a interview midway through. And Roger Ver... You can say what you want about that guy, but that dude as a public speaker is almost impossible to rile up. He's an excellent debater. He really is. Again, say what you want about Roger Ver, but as somebody who knows how to, to debate and control his emotions on stage, he's one of the very best. And John Carvalho got his goat so bad that he not only did he quit the interview, but he gave John the finger on camera. So if you haven't ever seen that, I highly recommend it. I haven't seen it in a long time. I watched it live and I was laughing my ever-loving ass off, probably much like uh, Governor DeSantis is doing. Florida Governor DeSantis says that he's gonna accept Bitcoin for state taxes. Uh, Jeff Benson's writing it for Decrypt. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis viewed as an early favorite for the Republican 2024 presidential nomination should Donald Trump not run again, is doing some early work to reach the Bitcoin demographic. At a signing ceremony Tuesday for a bill to mandate high school financial literacy classes, DeSantis said, quote, I've told the state agencies to figure out ways where if a business wants to pay tax in cryptocurrency to Florida, we should be willing to accept that, end quote. And he added, quote, we will accept Bitcoin. We're working on doing that for payments in the state of Florida, end quote. Florida's largest city, Miami, has been active on the cryptocurrency front. Under the leadership of Mayor Francis Suarez, Miami has actively courted crypto firms to South Florida, most notably blockchain.com. Crypto exchange FTX has also planted a flag there. Last year, securing naming rights to the Miami Heat Arena. Suarez has even been taking some of his pay in Bitcoin, and the city is studying the possibility of paying state workers in BTC as well. Prior to that, the Seminole County Tax Office, which covers the Orlando area, began accepting cryptocurrency payments in 2018 via BitPay. That deal turned somewhat sour after the county tax collector who later was caught up in a Justice Department probe into sex trafficking involving Florida Rep. Matt Getz, pleaded guilty to using county funds to start his own blockchain company. Jesus Christ. Uh, but the state government has mostly been along for the ride, ceding uh, potential territory to states such as Wyoming and Colorado, which boast a proactive legislature and pro-crypto governor, respectively. Wyoming passed a slew of blockchain-friendly laws back in 2019, which are starting to bear fruit. Several crypto custodial firms have secured state banking charters there as well. The first in the U.S., Colorado Governor Jared Paulus, not wanting to lose the rivalry with his state's neighbor to the north, held pass provisions allowing Coloradans to pay taxes in crypto by the end of this year. He said that plan is to extend 
that or it is to expand that to other state fees and licenses, though it won't hold any crypto assets it receives, instead converting them directly to dollars. With plenty of new crypto firms coming to the state, thanks to Suarez's efforts, it makes sense for Florida to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just one way to get rid of your Bitcoin. Okay, I'm going to say it. It's good that they're going to that they're going to allow taxes to be paid in Bitcoin. It's bad if you do. Don't do it. As long as there is a shitty money choice to pay your crappy ass theft taxes with, then use the shitty money. Don't use your Bitcoin. If you really want to, I guess if you really want to get down to it, you want to, I don't know, screw, screw with people. I don't know, buy Cardano and give it to them and let them convert it instantly to dollars to provide stupid volatility for those markets. But for whatever you do, don't get rid of your Bitcoin. Just don't do it. Find some other shitty ass money to give the thieves what they want. Speaking of thieves, Derek Anderson is going to tell us from Cointelegraph about the Bank of England and also regulators assessing crypto regulation in raft of new reports. The Bank of England Financial Policy Committee and other United Kingdom regulators are assessing crypto regulation after publishing reports on financial stability relating to crypto assets and decentralized finance. The Bank of England report was released on Thursday and the Financial Conduct Authority, along with the bank's Prudential Regulation Authority, also released documents simultaneously that all reference one another. That's a cabal. That's what we call a cabal. The FPC stated in its 40-page report that crypto assets and DeFi pose limited risks to the stability of the UK financial system, but it saw that risk growing as these assets become more interconnected with the wider financial system. In response, the FPC promised to assess those risks and make recommendations, pausing, this is a good place for a reminder that not more than three years ago, people were laughing at us. Let that sink in. The report found the existing regulatory framework sufficient for mitigating risks where crypto technology served the same purposes as traditional finance. The FPC, quote, welcomed the Treasury's proposals for stablecoin regulation, including the proposal to bring the bank into the process, expressing support for international efforts to regulate DeFi applications. The FPC advised financial institutions to take an especially cautious and prudent approach to any adoption of crypto assets or DeFi until the regulatory framework is more robust in that context. PRA Deputy Governor and CEO Sam Woods wrote a Dear CEO letter to banks, insurance companies, and designated investment firms on exposure to crypto assets, explicitly referring back to the FPC report and the FCA notice. The bulk of Woods' letter reminded addressees of existing policies and regulatory frameworks in light of their increasing interest. The letter also asked for the completion of a survey on the organization's existing crypto exposure and plans for the year due on June the 3rd. The FCA notice reminded regulated firms of their existing obligations when they are interacting with or exposed to crypto assets and related services. It ran through a list of those obligations, including, quote, being clear with customers on regulation and risk, as well as prudential and custody considerations. The FCA gave particular attention to, you guessed it, any money laundering and registration, pointing out its volume, voluminous list of unregistered crypto asset businesses. 
The agency has been investigating a number of those businesses. All unregistered and temporarily registered crypto businesses must complete registration by March the 31st or face the possibility of closure in the United Kingdom. This was not the full extent of crypto-related Bank of England documents released on Thursday. Quote, responses to the Bank of England's discussion paper on new forms of digital money also appeared. It referred back to a discussion paper released by the bank last year on central bank digital currencies. The FPC noted that the bank and treasury will launch a consultation on CBDC this year. You know what? This actually sounds like a gigantic circle jerk. And, and that by the time they pull their heads out of their each other's asses in this circle jerk that they got going on, Bitcoin will have so much ablative armor lined against it that they will have no hope of getting the, of, of destroying the top five cryptocurrencies. I mean, and, and I hate the bottom four top cryptocurrencies. I can't stand them. I only like Bitcoin. But at this point, I mean, it. this is like, this is almost as if the chickens of this circle jerk that is quote unquote government examining things have come home to roost and they're coming home to roost in a way that is protective for Bitcoin. So I'm not worried about this. I think these guys are going to be sitting at desks studying and writing letters to each other for so long that by the time that they get their heads up into the sunlight, they're going to go, oh shit, we have control over nothing. You have nothing. Russia, yep, we're going to do it. Russia is open to selling natural gas for Bitcoin. Before we start this one from Nomsios out of Bitcoin Magazine, I want to make a couple of statements here. What do we really know? How much do we trust any media, whether it's Bitcoin Magazine, Decrypt, MSNBC, CNBC, whatever? What do we really know? Okay, keep that in mind. Okay, just because everybody's talking about it on Twitter doesn't mean, A, that it's 100% true, and B, and probably more importantly, that the shit won't be retracted. Okay, let's say it is true. Let's say they are going to do it. And let's say a week from now, they're like, just kidding. We only want gold. Be prepared for that shit, all right? Because these people are all insane. And I, I, you know, they've been drinking like children's blood for so long that I think they, they're the insanity among, amongst these people, whether you like them or hate them, are all, they're all fucked in their heads. Russia is open to accepting Bitcoin for its natural resources export, exports, the chairman of the country's Congressional Energy Committee, Pavel Zavalny, Zavalny, yes, Pavel Zavalny, said in a press conference on Thursday, Zavalny, it's a fun name, explained that Russia is open to accepting different cur uh, currencies for its exports, beginning with natural gas, depending on the buyer's preferred method of payment. However, the chairman said, terms will depend on the importing country's foreign relations status with Russia. Yeah, we won't sell it to you if we hate you. Quote, when it comes to our friendly countries like China or Turkey, which don't pressure us, then we have been offering them for a while to switch payments with national currencies like the ruble and the yuan, Zavalny said during the press conference. Quote, with Turkey, it can be lira and rubles, so there can be a variety of currencies, and that's a standard practice. If they want Bitcoin, we will trade in Bitcoin. End quote. Zavalny's statement comes on the heels of President Vladimir Putin's comments on Wednesday demanding that unfriendly countries pay for Russian gas in rubles. 
Putin's message was clear, but it was unclear whether Russia can unilaterally change existing contracts upon, uh, uh, agreed upon in euros. The state Duma's Energy Committee chair echoed Putin's decision while adding that the country should also accept gold. I'm going to pause again here. If you're the one that actually owns the... Okay, you're Russia. Everybody hates you. You've been cut off from everything. Even Disney won't pipe their crap into your country. But you're the one with the actual physical energy. Do you think that Russia gives shit one about a contract written in euros? No, they don't care. You've already done everything that you could possibly do to them if the United Criminal Court or the International Criminal Court body or whoever would hear that case, you've already done it to them. They don't care. If you want their gas, if you want their oil, you're going to give them what they ask for. And you're going to, at this point, Europe's going to be lucky to get anything out of Russia at all, at all. So I, that contract written in euros, that this is where contracts break down. You can have all the contracts you want, but past a certain scale, contracts do not matter. What, what matters is the fact that you will either renegotiate that contract to our terms or we will find that contract null and void and you can freeze in the dark. That's the way this shit works. So contracts be damned. Quote, when the exchange with Western countries, they should pay in hard money, as Zavalny said, and hard money is gold. Or they must pay in currencies which are convenient for us, and that is the national currency, the ruble. That relates to our unfriendly countries. Russia, in, in, sorry, end quote, Russia being open to accepting Bitcoin shift the tide as Putin last year had dismissed the possibility in an interview at the Russian Energy Week event in Moscow. Quote, I believe that it has value, but I don't believe it can be used in the oil trade, Putin said at the time, referring to Bitcoin. The current size of the Bitcoin market and its liquidity do pose questions as to whether the peer-to-peer -peer currency could be used widely by countries in international trade at this moment. However, by being open to the possibility and eventually conducting pilot trades with interested parties, Russia could set the stage for an upcoming trend where nations choose to transact in the stateless global monetary system. So there you go. Again, coming back to that whole statement about whether or not they can get away, quote unquote, get away with this because the contracts were written in euros. Yeah, see how, see how far that flies. If, I mean, if Russia just say, okay, no oil, and then European Union says, we're going to sue you. And Russia says, okay, consider yourself already won because you've already done all the shit that you would be able to do to us if we lost that fucking court case, right? You've already sanctioned us. We have no Disney. We have no Apple. We have no McDonald's, even though we do have McDonald's because they kind of stayed open a little bit. It, it doesn't matter. You want the oil and they have the oil and you don't have the oil, then you're going to be able, you're going to have to meet them on their terms. You're going to renegotiate those contracts and you're going to do it really, really fast. I, yeah, I'm just saying guys, you know, I don't have to be a fan of Russia to see the writing on that wall. You got something that somebody needs, you'll renegotiate. All right. Ukrainian refugee with $2,000 in Bitcoin finally reaches Poland. Scott Cipollina decrypt.co a Ukrainian refugee who goes by the pseudonym Fatty 
has reached Poland with $2,000 worth of Bitcoin held in a USB drive. Quote, I couldn't withdraw cash at all because queues to ATMs were so long and I couldn't wait that much time. End quote. Fadi told CNBC, the funds reportedly represents approximately 40% of his life savings. Quote, I could just write, write my seed phrase on a piece of paper and take it with me. End quote. Fide also said that he made a peer-to-peer exchange with a friend and traded $600 worth of his Bitcoin savings for Poland's national currency, Zloty, if that's how you pronounce it. He uses these funds to pay for transport into Poland, a hostel, and some food. Fide added that he was unable to transfer his traditional funds to Poland, hence the importance of crypto to his financial welfare. Other than his Bitcoin holdings, Fide also holds an undisclosed amount of the privacy cryptocurrency Monero on Binance. Fide's story is just one part of Ukraine's growing reliance on cryptocurrency in the wake of Russia's invasion last month. On February the 26th, 2022, just two days after Russia's invasion of Ukraine began, the Ukrainian government announced that it was receiving donations in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Per blockchain records, these addresses have received over $15 million and $24 million in Bitcoin and Shitcoin One, respectively. The government has also received donations in Polkadot and Dogecoin, and just one week after the war began, Ukraine had received over $50 million in total crypto donations. Alex Bornikov, Deputy Minister of the Ministry of Digital Transformation, revealed earlier this month exactly how the Ukrainian government has been spending the crypto donations received. Quote, Crypto assets proved extremely helpful in facilitation of funding flows of the armed forces of Ukraine. Huge thanks to everyone who donated to the crypto fund of Ukraine, Bornovki said. Just pausing a little to catch my breath on the absurdity of that statement. You know, it's not like I'm funding a product or somebody's, you know, like game on, you know, uh, GoFundMe. Like they're building a video game and they need money to buy, you know, hire an artist. No, no, here, here they're, they're buying weapons of war and funding their military. And, and a great shout out to everybody who helped us kill. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. They're defending their homeland. But fucking A, dude. At one point or another, we, we got to recognize how absurd that statement is. Fundraising? for a war it's not that it hasn't been done before it's just that it's there's something about that that's just goddamn wrong i mean even war bonds in in world war one and world war two that was fundraising that was fundraising by the united states government and at least it's better than taxing us or god forbid opening up the money printers to do it but this is absurd we're fundraising for war. Yay. Is Come on. Anyway, each and every helmet and vest bought via crypto donations is currently saving soldiers' lives, he said. Anyway, that's the end of the article, and that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's Friday, last day of the week before the weekend. I do hope you have an enjoyable weekend. Springtime is here, by the way. Uh, if you're in warmer climes and it, the, the sun's out and it's a beautiful weekend, do yourself a favor and go barbecue. Now, time for a joke. I looked out of the window and my dad was slumped over the lawnmower, crying his eyes out. I asked my mom, what's up with him? She just said, he's going through a rough patch.
can't wait to start mowing the lawn again. Um, I actually, I know, it's, it's, I know you guys are going, are you crazy? No, no. Why? Mulch. I use the grass clippings that I collect off my lawn around the edges of my fence to kill the grass at the fence line. And it works fairly well. It's not a hundred percent, you know, it's not a hundred percent kill, but if you get like a good four five, six inch layer of cut grass and you put it down there a year later, the soil underneath that, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much clay is in it, will start to loosen up and guess what? You can start planting shit by your fence. You know what I like to plant by my fence? I like to plant stuff that's gonna grow into a hedge. Why? Because we've lost the art of what a fence should have actually been. In the United States, we always, not always, not everywhere, but in many, many places, especially the more urban you get, the more prevalent a wooden panel fence is. You can't see your neighbors, which is, I get, I, I get, and that's fine too, but it doesn't do anything. What it does do is catch a lot of wind. And if you're in like West Texas where the wind blows in the spring and blows fricking hard, whole panels will blow out. And these panels are eight, you know, basically we're eight foot on center. So a whole between support poles, you've got eight feet. Now, if I plant stuff that's going to grow into a hedge, specifically stuff like goji berry that has nutritious berries on it that are very tasty, or I plant some other kind of forage kind of hedge, and I have a whole bunch of different kinds, I do a couple of things. One, when they get eight foot high, I can tear down the fence. I still can't see my neighbors. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of birds move in. And the birds do what? If you've got a vegetable garden, the birds actually go eat pests. The reason that they're not on your vegetable garden right now is that they got nowhere to live. I mean, there's maybe a few trees around, but if you put in, you know, two, three, four hundred foot of hedging and that's eight foot high, well, now all of a sudden you got a different deal. Consider it. You don't have to do it. I'm just saying consider it. And while the hedges are growing in the grass that you've mowed because, so that you can smother all the you know, live grass that would choke out the hedge, little the seedlings and whatnot, while that's growing up into a fully blown hedgerow, you can keep your fence. But once it gets eight foot tall and thick enough, all of a sudden you can pull that whole fence down and now airflow starts going through. Birds start coming in. And it an, ends up being an insectary, especially if you plant hedges that flower. And it gets even better if you plant different hedgings next to each other that all end up forming a very long, very tall, very thick hedgerow that are composed of different flowering cycles with different fruit and different forages. And if you've got a situation where you have something flowering and fruiting all year long, or not all year long, but throughout the spring, all the way through the summer and into the early fall, then you've got more critters than you will know what to do with. And all of them will have a ready source of food. And when they're not eating that food, they're eating pests. And the more diversity of animals that you get permanently living on your property, the more different kinds of pests through different seasons of the year they will eat. 
And then all of a sudden life becomes much more better to live. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.